Welcome to this week's message from Bayou George Christian Church, where we seek to love God, love people. For more info, connect with us on social media at MyBGCC. If you remember, back in the first chapter, he said, we have a reason to hope, and that's because we're going to heaven. And then he said, we have a reason to deepen in our faith in in the first chapter and into the second chapter. And then we have a reason to live, and that's because we've got Jesus. Jesus is within us, and we have received God's mercy. And then we, we have a reason to submit. We don't like to talk about submission, but we do have a, a reason to submit because Peter said, uh, first of all, you know, husbands, wives need to be in submission to each other, the church, needs to be in submission to the leadership, and we need to be in submission to authorities, government, a boss that we may or may not get along with or like. And then we have a reason to love. (coughs) In the third chapter, (coughs) we talked about loving and how in our homes we love one another, in the church, love one another. In the world, love everybody in the love of Christ. That's the way he wants us to live our lives out. And then we talked about witnessing. We have a reason to witness, and that's because Jesus, of course, has died for us, and we're so grateful for everything that he's done for us. We talked about self-denial. We don't like to talk about self-denial. But it's important that we understand we are here. Jesus said, if you want to be my disciple, if you want to be in me and serve me, you've got to deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow me. That's such a vital part of our Christian living. Today, you may wish I'd just stayed home. <laughs> Today's such a struggle. Because Peter says, we have a reason to hurt, to have pain, to have suffering. There's a reason to it all. On the desire scale, the topic of suffering must be probably one of the, in the bottom drawer, way back of the file cabinet subjects for the preacher. It's kind of one of those things that if you don't have anything else to say, you can't think of anything, you'll reach way back there and maybe pull some of those thoughts out. Everyone suffers somehow so we can identify. That makes the topic kind of attractive to us because we want to know something about it. We want to know more. But the fact that everyone suffers, and some suffer extremely. I've never suffered much in my life, but uh, I've suffered or had struggles more in the last few years of my life than I ever had in my whole rest of my life put together. But we all want answers. And that makes the topic of suffering as intimidating as it is appealing. We want to hear something, 
but it's really a, it's an awesome subject to talk about. Why do innocent children die of cancer? I see the St. Jude's ads, you know, on TV. You see those. Why all those little babies, those precious little children, why do they have to go through these terrible diseases? Saintly women experience a divorce that they didn't want. Sacrificial missionaries contract malaria, get seriously ill, and some even die. Any attempt to explain why those things happen, you know, fill in the blanks, it's bound to come up short, especially in the mind of the person that's going through the suffering. Job was the first to ask the question as far as records go to us. Centuries ago, Job asked a question that's continually asked, and I've heard it thousands of times, and so have you. Why do good people suffer and wicked people prosper? Job couldn't understand why the cattle of the ungodly were multiplying and growing, but he had just lost his entire herd, one of the biggest herds in the whole area. Why were the homes of the wicked safe while one of his son's homes is struck and collapsed in a windstorm and killed all ten of his children? Job asking, Job 21, verse 7, why do the wicked live on, growing all old and increasing in power? They spend their years in prosperity and go down to the grave in peace. Yet they say to God, listen to this, they say to God, leave us alone. We have no desire to know your ways. Who is the Almighty? that we should serve him. What would we gain by praying to him? But Job held on. In Job 1.21, he said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I shall return. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. You've probably asked that, that question yourself. Maybe it's been recently. Maybe it's been just this week. Maybe it's been within the past couple of years. But you struggle. If God is all-powerful, if God is all-loving toward people who are trying to love and serve him, why do bad things happen to us when we're trying to do what's right? You struggle to make ends meet. And a, a drug dealer lives in luxury with huge gold chains hanging around their necks. You desperately want a child, and an unwed mother aborts her third baby. You study hard to get good grades, and a cheater just breezes through classes. Why do the righteous suffer and the unrighteous seem to prosper? Where's the justice of God in that? 
Life just doesn't seem fair, does it? Parents, how many times have you heard that? That's just not fair. Who said so? It's just not fair. We can understand why some people just throw up their hands and say, whatever, whatever. That's the kind of world we live in. Unfortunately, that's an unsatisfying answer. We will probably never completely understand the dilemma that we may go through in this life. We may have to wait until we go to be with God in his eternal heaven. We just can't understand. But in this passage of scripture that we're going to look at today, Peter does give us an insight. I think he gives us helpful insights into the mind of God about human suffering and anguish and why are people going through it. Why is there the C word, cancer? Why is there a heart attack? Why is there a lung disease? Why is there a COVID? We're going to look at what Peter has to say today if you'll turn to 1 Peter chapter 4. 1 Peter chapter 4, and we're going to begin at verse 12 today. And I want you to see, first of all, if you're writing these things down, some suffering is inevitable. So expect it. Everybody is going to suffer. Accept it. In verse 12, Peter said, Dear friends, do not be surprised. Uh, whoa. Do not be surprised at the painful trial you are suffering as though something strange were happening to you. Listen to the words Peter uses. Don't be surprised. Something strange? It's not strange. It happens every day. We ask, why am I having to go through this? And then you look around at all the pain and suffering in the world and you say, well, why not me? Why shouldn't I have to go through this? Some people are shocked when something bad happens in their lives. They really just do not get it. They don't understand. They go through an impossible nightmare with questions that go unanswered. I read that many of you know of Ted Turner, the TV mogul. Ted Turner had a sister that died of lupus when he was young. And, and he prayed. He prayed for his sister. And from that point on, since God did not answer his prayers and his sister died, he gave up on God, gave up on Christianity altogether. And Peter is saying, come on, Ted, be realistic. Don't be surprised when bad things happen to you. That's just the norm. It happens to everybody. Peter says, don't be surprised at painful suffering. Pain comes to us, I see, in five different ways. A couple of them are mentioned in our scriptures here. The first one, Peter says, sometimes we suffer because of our Christian testimony. Now, in our world, I really don't suffer much for my faith. I don't know about you. 
Nobody really hurts me for my faith. But in verse 14, Peter said, If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed, for the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. These believers in the first century were undergoing a lot of struggle. They belonged to Christ, and so they were being, there were people making fun of them, and they were hurting them. This kind of suffering was really something different. They didn't expect that whenever they became Christians. We expect it today. Um, Christians generally get persecution in, in the mainly Hindu and Islamic countries. But we just don't expect to get a lot of suffering. But sometimes we are mistreated because of Christianity. And you know in the political world right now, you know from the high ups right on down, there are people that are demanding the destruction of Christianity. They want it stopped. They want it out of the language of American people. They want this country to have no Christianity whatsoever. And yet if you go back in history, when the people set up this country, they set it up to be a Christian nation with Christian leaders because they were sure that's what God wanted them to do. Sometimes people suffer because of that faith. Sometimes we suffer because of our own sinful behavior. It happens. Verse 15, if you suffer, it should not be as a murderer or a thief or any other kind of criminal or even as a meddler. <laughs> that's a good one, isn't it? The lawbreaker gets sentenced to prison. That's his own fault. He broke the law. This foolishness about we don't need prisons and we don't need to put people in them and we don't need to punish people that do things wrong. That's crazy. God said punish those who, who, who break the law. The meddler loses friendships. That's her own fault. She got to meddling where she shouldn't have been meddling. We get diseases. We suffer loneliness. We have indebtedness humiliation, the result of our own disobedience to what God wanted us to do, and these things happen to us. Sometimes we suffer because of a satanic attack. Satan brought one attack after another into Job's life. You, you know the story of Job. Paul said his thorn in the flesh was a messenger from Satan. You'd think if he didn't leave Paul alone and Job and so many others in the past history, you think he's going to leave us alone? Oh, Satan's out to get us. Every day he is striving to his nth degree to get us into his clutches. In Revelation 12, verse 17, John said, The dragon was enraged at the woman, and this is uh, Mary, because she's going to give birth to the Son of God, and went off to make war against the rest of her offspring. That's us. Those that obey God's commandments and hold to the testimony of Jesus. Satan is out to get us. And if you read in the Revelation, the scripture says, Satan is before the Lord at his throne every day, both day and night, 
accusing the brethren. He's not going to leave us alone so we can expect some suffering there. Sometimes we get a direct hit from Satan and we don't know where it's coming from. But Satan does seek to steal, to kill, to destroy. Don't be surprised when he attacks. And then sometimes we suffer because we just live in a fallen world. Adam and Eve back in Genesis disobeyed God. And they set in motion the bent for sinning. And we still have to live with it. It's there. Romans 8.22 says the whole creation is groaning for the coming of Jesus. There are dangerous viruses and drugs and hurricanes, floods, tsunamis, earthquakes, cancer-causing agents, drunk drivers. Expect it. It's going to happen. The Bible says the rain falls on the just and the unjust. We all are going to get it. The rain falls. It's crazy. Here in Florida especially, it never ceases to amaze me how I can stand in bright sunshine and have absolutely no moisture around me at all and look across the street and my neighbor's house I can hardly see because it's raining so hard. It's crazy. Three out of four hurricanes several years ago went over our daughter's house. Three out of four, right over the top of it. Natural disasters in the world. But it happens. In Luke 13, verse 4, Jesus mentioned those 18 who died when the Tower of Siloam fell on them. Jesus said, do you think they were more guilty than all the others living in Jerusalem? I tell you, no. But unless you repent, you too will all perish. Those who have died from COVID in the last couple of years, were they more <laughs> sinful than all the other people in the rest of the world? Those people who got caught in the world trade centers years ago, were they more sinful than everybody else walking around in America? No. They just happened to be living in a world where people suffer because the world is contaminated by sinful, evil people. They are full of Satan's angels, demons, and they are going to hurt other people. They're just mean. They're just mean. They're hateful. They don't care about anybody else. Remember, Jesus said in the world, you will have trouble. And sometimes we suffer because of God's discipline. We know that. Hebrews 12, verse 6 says, The Lord disciplines those he loves, and he punishes everyone he accepts as a son. A caring father is not going to let his child be defiant for long. A caring mother is going to do something to help a, a young girl that's being defiant to grow up and be a respectable woman that other people will respect and love. But we will discipline our children 
even inflict pain temporarily if it's necessary to correct the dangerous behavior that's going on in their lives. Our Heavenly Father sometimes disciplines us to correct our wrong conduct. Remember Jonah? Three days in the belly of the big fish that God had prepared for him? Three days in the belly of that big fish and Jonah wanted out. He wanted to change. He wanted to do what God wanted him to do. Hebrews 12 verse 10 says, Our fathers disciplined us for a little while as they thought best. But God disciplines us for our good that we may share in his holiness. That's what it's about. Holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. How many of you heard your parents say, this is going to hurt me worse than it does you? <laughs> how many of you believed them? And then how many of you said it yourselves years later? <laughs> This is going to hurt me worse than it does you. God doesn't want to hurt his children. He doesn't want to discipline. But God, as a loving father, disciplines us sometimes. And we have to go through some severe trials. Don't be surprised when bad things happen. There are so many different ways that they can come at us. Most of the time, we will not definitely know why we are going through the struggle that we are. If you've got COVID, you know you've got it. You may not know why. We were so careful for a year, but a bunch of our people from our church up in Georgia, we went out to eat lunch and eight of us contracted COVID. I was the only one hospitalized and I'm thankful. I'm glad the others didn't have to go in the hospital. We have absolutely no idea where that came from. None whatsoever. Our daughter and son-in-law went away on a trip. Well, it was Bush Gardens. That's probably it. But they come home, and both have been bedridden with COVID. What they do to deserve that? They don't even know where they got it. Don't be surprised when something bad happens in your life. Most of the time we will not know why we're suffering. And if it was God's discipline, or if it was the fallout from the sinful world, or it's from our own sin, or from our Christian faith, even though we're not sure, we should not be surprised that it's happening. Peter says, it is not strange. It happens. It's not strange. It's the norm. Expect it. Be ready for it. Well, then the second lesson that Peter gives us in this passage of Scripture, all suffering is purposeful. So rejoice in it. Uh, rejoice. Rejoice. Did he say rejoice? Yes. Verse 13, 
but rejoice that you participate in the sufferings of Christ, so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. When we hurt, we can appreciate more deeply what Jesus endured in his life. And some of us have suffered far more than the rest of us. But we can understand. We can begin to appreciate what Jesus went through when he was on the earth. And I know he's talking about suffering, the sufferings of Christ for our sin. So if you, if you experience physical pain, you can better understand the excruciating pains that shot through the body of Jesus from the crowns on his head to the nails that pierced his feet. If you experience some emotional stress, you can better identify with Jesus who experienced daily stress, hostile critics, slow learners, incessant demands, constant interruptions from other people. If you experience alienated relationships, then imagine what Jesus went through for us. His own brothers mocked him. Judas betrayed him. Peter, the one writing these very words as God inspired him, Peter three times denied Jesus and fled when Jesus needed him the most. Do you know Corey Ten Boom? Corey Ten Boom's life is such a wonderful experience. Her family was destroyed by the Germans whenever they came in during World War II. Corrie Ten Boom and her sister Betsy were put in a Nazi prison camp. And Corey said the first thing that they did to them in the woman's camp, the first thing they did was strip them of all their clothes. And they lined them up in single file and marched them through the camp in front of the leering eyes of all those German soldiers that were there. She said it was so humiliating. But as they walked through that line, Corey leaned up and whispered in Betsy's ear, Betsy, remember, they took Jesus' clothes too. Somehow, the humiliation of that moment help them better appreciate what Jesus went through as their Savior. When you hurt, you have an opportunity to mature, grow up. We don't always mature through suffering, do we? <laughs> when Carolyn and I got married, I was always the one, if I got sick, you know, my mother was there and she took care of me, and I was so blessed. <laughs> but when Carolyn got sick the first time, I remember Carolyn saying, she shut the bedroom door. She said, just leave me alone. When I get well, I'll come out. <laughs> I, didn't want, I didn't want it that way. <laughs> I wanted somebody to mop my forehead and bring me a drink, ginger ale, you know, and water. And, be sweet to me. <laughs> but 
But verse 14 says, if you're insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed, for the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. We grow through that experience, especially if we're suffering for our faith. When we are at our weakest, when we're hurting the most, that's when we trust God the most. Read the Bible more. Pray more. Talk to Christian people more. Deepen more than any other time in our lives because we're growing. We're maturing. When we first became Christians, we didn't know much about it, did we? We just knew it was what we wanted to do. But as the months and the years went by, we grew and matured and grew up into the adult Christians that God wants us to be. And James said in James 1, verse 2, count, listen to this, count it all joy. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Because you know that the blessing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. I know most of us here have, we've had to be around when somebody hurt themselves, hit their thumb with a hammer, <laughs> or got sick or something bad happened. And they let out with a string of swear words and curses to God because they hurt themselves. James says, you consider it pure joy whenever you face any trial. Trials of many kinds. Because the testing of your faith develops perseverance. You know what perseverance is. We live through it. We grow through it. We become mature. Then whenever you hurt, your opportunity to witness is enhanced. During the COVID, there have been some great, wonderful opportunities for people to grow in their faith that they wouldn't have had if it had not been an isolation-type situation. I have read from some Christian missionaries in Ukraine. One of the most amazing things has happened since Russia invaded Ukraine. Millions of Ukrainians have had to go into other countries, but they said, what a marvelous opportunity for witnessing Christian faith. Many of the people leaving Ukraine are Christians and they were going into the homes, welcomed into the homes of people from some of the other surrounding countries and they got to talk about their faith in Jesus. A lot of those who were leaving Ukraine were not Christians, but when they went into those surrounding countries, they were accepted into the homes of those who were Christians and they got to hear their faith in Jesus Christ through this struggle. People want to see how do the Christians react 
when they go through a storm. People want to know, how do Christians act when they get sick? When they lose everything? If you praise God at a time like this, then your witness is increased because people say, well, they really do trust in God. Suffering enhances our credibility. It gives us a chance to live out what we say we believe. People listen with a more attentive ear when they know you've had the same problem I had. I had that at my house last year. I had that same thing happen to me. My mother suffered for years with gout. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Horrible. I did not understand. I didn't understand how it hurt. I could just see it in her eyes. And her big toes were bright red and big, swollen. It wasn't until I got to experience gout, I found out what my mother went through. But when I understood that, then I was able to understand her even better. People relate whenever they know you're going through the same thing I've already been through or I'm going through the same thing you've already been through. Words have a credibility that they didn't have. Nobody wants to go through pain, but once you've been there, then you've got a voice. You've got credibility. Your scars give you acceptance among other people. Peter says, count it joy. Count it joy. When you go through suffering, even though it may not be as extreme as somebody else's, or as extreme as the people in Peter's day that were being persecuted for their faith, no, God is allowing it for a meaningful purpose. Rejoice in it. Thank God for it. Of course, ask him to help you get through it. And then, suffering is inevitable. We can expect it. Suffering is purposeful. We can rejoice in it. And then Peter says, verse 17, patient suffering is commendable. Trust God's justice. God knows what's going on. He knows the eternal. He's eternal past and eternal future and the present. He knows it all. He knows exactly what we're going through. Look at verse 17. For it is time to be, for judgment to begin with the house, uh, with the family of God. And if it begins with us, what will be the outcome of those who do not obey the gospel of God? If we, as Christians, are just saved by the skin of our teeth, what's going to happen to those who are not righteous? The righteous who have suffered patiently are going to be commended by God. James said in 1.12, Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial, because when he has stood the test, 
he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. Blessed is the person who perseveres under their struggles. Job received two times as much after he went through all of his struggle, except kids. He went through, got twice as much back. But see, Job knew he was going to see his kids in heaven. He didn't have to have twice as many on earth to be satisfied. We are promised if we're faithful in our sufferings, whatever they are, we will be rewarded someday. It may not be in this world, but when the judgment of God comes, when God has judged everything, every person for every word, every deed, good, bad, it'll be glory, glory for those who have proven faithful in their suffering. One of our old hymns says, Oh, that will be glory for me. When by his grace I shall look on his face, that will be glory for me. However, the wicked who have prospered but have never given God glory are going to be punished. Verse 18, Peter says, And if it is hard for the righteous to be saved, what will become of the ungodly and sinners? It wasn't easy for the righteous to be saved. It cost the blood of God's own son, Jesus, dying a horrible death on the cross. If the ungodly rejected Jesus, they will receive their lifelong request to live without God. And they will be separated from him for all eternity. Since we can't see the future, we can only trust God's justice and providence. In verse 19, Peter says, So then those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful creator and continue to do good. Creator. Creator. That's the word. It reminds us of the one who created us and takes care of us. We are his masterpiece over everything that he created. And it reminds us of God's sovereignty. Creator. Sovereign. He's in charge. In the end, he's going to make everything right. And we're going to be honored. We just have to hold on. What's the right choice? What do I do in this situation? What's the unemotional, wise choice that I have to make? Verse 19 says, So then, those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful creator and continue to do good. We have to say, Lord, I don't know why I'm suffering. 
I do not know where it's coming from. I don't know why you are not answering my prayers right now. But I am trusting you as my creator and the savior of my soul. I still believe Romans 8, 28. All things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Don't misquote that. It does not say all things work together for good. Boom. It says all things work together for good to those who love God and are seeking God's will. Everything works for good. We just have to understand that. Some of you are struggling. I know you are. You're in a kind of a prison and you fear judgment someday. Maybe you're afraid of going home. You don't want to face God. You don't want to find that maybe you're a failure and he condemns you. And but don't give up hope. God has not forgotten you. Chances are he's poised in heaven. He's waiting. Arms outstretched. Waiting to welcome you home and to say those arms lovingly wrapped around you and say within your ear, Oh, welcome home. You've been faithful over a few things. I'm going to make you ruler over many. My son, my daughter. Welcome home. Enter to the joy of your Lord. Hold on. Hold on. Life's hard, but God is good. There's a great gospel song that says, God is good. No, God is great. He's going to make it all right someday for us. So, back to the question. Why do bad things happen to good people? You with me? The truth is, there are no good For we all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Granted, some are a whole lot worse than others, but all are sinners. We all deserve punishment. We all deserve discipline. But the gospel proclaims that there is a good God who loves us. He's going to make everything right someday. And my plea today is, if you do not know him as your personal Savior, 
you make that your decision today. If you've wavered a little bit, if you're kind of slipping back and forth and shuffling, hold on. Make it solid. He's got to take care of us. Would you pray with me? Our great God, we thank you for all that you are to us. We praise you, our Father, for your love and mercy and grace. And we thank you, God, as we sit and talk about our friends who are struggling with disease and pain and suffering and heartbreak and disease. We think about those who have buried their loved ones and those who haven't gotten to bury their loved ones. And we think of those who have given their lives over to horrible things. And we know you love them and you sent Jesus to be the Savior, to deliver us from all of this and give us your home in heaven. So today, help us understand Understand what Peter's trying to get across. We can trust you, our Creator God, our Savior. We can trust you. Today, help us to totally put our confidence in you and to get ready to enjoy our eternity with you. And I thank you for what you do for us and help us make the right decision today. In Jesus we hope you enjoyed this week's message and will be with us again. As always, you can check us out online on our website and social media at MyBGCC to learn more about events and let us connect with you.